I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Chips, a soccer podcast with Vice Sports. As always, I am Aaron Gordon, a staff writer here in the U.S. office, and joining me as always, well, not as always, I guess, because he wasn't here last week because Will was too busy getting engaged. Really, just pathetic lack of dedication from Will. I'm just, I'm still disappointed in him. Anyways, joining me from the U.K. is Will McGee. How are you doing? I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. I um, I did indeed sack off Chips podcast to uh, to get engaged last week. So um, yeah, that was that was all right. I guess it was quite nice. I mean, it's like you know, not as much banter as the podcast, but probably more <laughs> fulfilling. So. Yeah, it was a toss-up, really. I mean, I'm going to let you off the hook this one time, but you better not go off and get engaged again, because I won't be as forgiving the next time. Oh, yeah, no, now I think about it, I think actually there was probably, like, more banter when I got engaged. It was quite a bantery engagement, like, not in a horrible way, like, just in a sort of, it's quite a sort of chummy, like, it wasn't <laughs> like, you know, we were going out on time, really, so I guess it was actually quite bantery. So this podcast has quite a lot to live up to in terms of being better than my engagement. I don't even know where to go with that. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad that we don't banter as much as you and your now fiance do. Like, that's I think that's probably a good thing. Anyways, we've got a cool show lined up for you today. There's obviously lots of breaking Sutton Pie news that we are going to get to later. First, we're joined by Motherboard staff writer Jason Kebler because he wrote something that almost has to do with sports. And so we're going to we're going to talk about it. Jason, thanks for thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Aaron. <laughs> it's been my dream to be on a Vice Sports product ever since Jorge and I started tweeting at each other. Yeah, he always asks you when you're going to write for us and then you never reply, so I can totally understand how it would be your dream to uh, to have a Trojan piece of content that appears on a Vice Sports product. Exactly. Yes. You wrote an article about ticket scalping. You profiled like basically like the master ticket scalper, but it's about much more than that. It's about like bots getting blamed for people not being able to buy tickets and how much that's true and not true. You really focused a lot on like concerts specifically in the article, but I know that it obviously applies to sports as well. So I think for the people who are listening, maybe haven't read the article yet. Can you just give like the overview of like kind of what, what you talk about? Yeah, so it starts back in the ancient days of Rome because there was scalping back then. But my involvement with this story started in college when I very casually became a ticket scalper and an unsuccessful one at that. But I did get involved in the industry and I saw how it worked. And then I became a journalist and I saw that every article that's ever been published about ticket scalping is very bad. They all talk about bots and how bad they are, which, yes, bots are a thing. They are automated programs that scoop up tickets. But no one ever explains how they work, who is behind them, what Ticketmaster is or isn't doing to stop them. It's just sort of like this boogeyman everyone talks about. It's like the bots are taking my tickets and I didn't get to go see the Jonas Brothers or whatever. And so I started looking into it and I found that 
bots are indeed a thing and they are programmed and controlled by humans. So I looked up Ken Lawson, who is this guy who got arrested in 2010 for running a $25 million bot scam. He sort of has this very interesting story where he bought any concert and sports game of note for a decade between 2000 and 2010, got arrested by the FBI, and then fell into drugs and alcohol and disappeared for five years. So that was very convenient for my story because he's ready to talk and he's sort of cleaned up and everything. So that's how this story started. But do you want to get into like what he did and how it worked? Well, I mean, so, like, so the, the interesting thing to me is... Uh, you know, as I, I doubt you're aware because you probably, as a non-soccer fan, you probably did not subscribe or listen to any episodes of Chips. But we always try and have like a U.S. versus European soccer experience dynamic to what we talk about. And ticket scalping and, and just it really just in general purchasing tickets for sporting events is very, very different in the U.S. and the U.K. So I thought this was like a perfect topic to kind of talk about in that regard. One of the things I wanted to ask you about what you learned is how Ticketmaster gets treated and regulated in the U.S. versus in Europe, specifically in the U.K., but really all of Europe, because I know it's pretty different. Right. So I don't know the specifics of it, but I do know that in the United States, Ticketmaster is very loosely regulated. Back in 2010 or 2009, Ticketmaster and Live Nation merged. There was this big monopoly antitrust proceeding, and Congress decided it was okay for one company to dominate completely vertically the entertainment and sports industries. What a what a shocker. Those clowns in Congress really came through. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is music, but it is interesting. Live Nation has all these contracts with artists, and it also owns almost every mid-sized and large uh, venue in the United States. And so what they did is say that Live Nation artists can only play at Live Nation venues. So they book entire tours that just hit every single Live Nation venue in the United States. And once they merged with Ticketmaster, they sold their tickets on Ticketmaster. So it's basically like this huge integrated system. And luckily, Ticketmaster also owns this company called Tickets Now, which is a StubHub competitor. And so they're taking a slice of every single possible a bit of the concert and sports industries. Congress has shown no interest in doing anything about this. Uh, last year, they passed uh, what's called the Bots Act, and it was a unanimous uh, piece of legislation, which is insane wow. in this yeah, day and age. <laughs> so uh, that banned bots. And when Ken Lawson was doing this, it wasn't illegal, actually, but uh, they got him on some wire fraud charges. Now bots are illegal and everyone acts as though ticket scalping is over, which is obviously not the case. And I do know that in the United Kingdom, there have been some proceedings in Parliament recently where the parliamentarians is that the official word will yeah just mps really i guess parliamentarians sort of are more of an english civil war -y thing but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well they they called in Ticketmaster and subhub and said what the hell are you guys doing like there are all these questions uh, about where tickets go and this happens in sports law as well where tickets are never put on sale to the general public they're held back for pre-sales they're held back for fan clubs or lotteries or what have you and they're sold either directly as scalpers or promoters and then distributed sort of no one really knows how. So there's no transparency in the United States. And some UK MPs asked, you know, what what is the deal with this? And I believe that Ticketmaster has to get back to them soon. Like this is very recent. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
Will, I, can you – because, like, I think a lot of people don't really know how ticket buying works, especially in Premier League. It's very different than the system we have in the U.S. They are pretty tight in the Premier League in that what they tend to do is you have to be a member – like a member of a club to some extent, like not necessarily a season to get hold of. But for instance, like Arsenal, where I have experience of buying tickets, you have to be at least a red member, which is like a 15 quid a year subscription to even just apply for like League Cup tickets, say. And in terms of getting actual league tickets on on just general sale, it's pretty difficult. Like mainly it's season ticketing. I think really like in terms of like how online touts get around that, I guess, is that sometimes people buy season tickets and then you like basically sell individual like match days for a certain fee but I mean they're really really tight on it and also I mean there's kind of like people policing it within stadiums so basically if a different person turns up to the same seat week in week out eventually like if they figure out it's because it's owned by a tower they just either like confiscate their season ticket or like you know put it all to resale so yeah I mean the Premier League does seem to have some like on the ground ways of dealing with it but i'm not sure about the technological side of things as in how they're actually stopping it online i know that in the united states you know with football teams they have things called psl which are personal seat licenses and whenever there's a new stadium they sell a license to have the ability to buy season tickets and i assume that soccer teams haven't gotten to that level in the united states yet I don't think there's like a robust market for soccer ticket scalping. Although there was when uh, Beckham first came over. I had to buy tickets from a scalper when the Galaxy played DC United. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. I paid like 100 bucks a ticket in front for something that's like $30 face. Was that at like RFK? It was RFK. It was his very first game and Posh Spice was there. So, oh, the yeah. first game. That explains it. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. just like some random game after like a year. No. no, no. And it was he was hurt when he first came over. Yeah. So there was like some question about when he was going to make his debut. And then they finally, it was DC United. And I went. He played like 15 minutes. It was awesome. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like the perfect mid-2000s MLS experience right there. Yeah. But with football, uh, it was works with PSLs and scalpers buy PSLs. They buy them, you know, right away for teams that they think will have a chance to go to the Super Bowl and, you know, you can make your money back very quickly if you get tickets for a successful team. So I would assume it's kind of similar to how it works in Europe with soccer teams. Yeah, and I assume like, you know, the the membership clubs that will kind of mentioned about like how arsenal fans like you have to spend like 15 quid to join the membership club like i i imagine scalpers would just pay that and then buy tickets that way right they do and in the united states with concerts like fan clubs we have pre-sales for those a lot and scalpers just join that and they join it hundreds of times like ken lowson joined the youtube fan club like 600 times so he had a code to buy like 1200 tickets i uh, just used fake uh addresses and names and there's right. no follow-up there so i don't know if that's possible in in europe with soccer but i would bet that it, that it is it just seems like it's one of those classic enforcement problems where anytime you create a new mechanism to try and enforce that only the genuine fans get the tickets like scalpers can just find a way around it because they're people too and the system is still supposed to allow well, well not to only buy. are they people they are people who want tickets more than fans do because it's their livelihood like you may want to see a game and but you haven't spent the time learning how to get the tickets like scalpers do this every day for years like they know how to get tickets they know how the system works and so 
these things that are set up ostensibly for fans, like fan clubs and pre-sales, are actually benefit scalpers because they know about all of them. There's websites they can join that tell you every single pre-sale password for every single game. And they're just better at it. Right. So it's like a classic regulatory problem. Like the more regulations you put in place, the more the experts are going to benefit and the lay people are going to get trapped in the regulatory system. Yeah. And there's also the question of how much does Ticketmaster or these teams actually want to stop it? Because there have been multiple cases in soccer. I'm looking some up right now. There have been a bunch in soccer where especially like insiders will sell tickets that they have access to to scalpers. Right, exactly. This happened with a French club as well. And it's an insane story. Unfortunately, I don't have it. I can't find it right now. But he basically stockpiled thousands of tickets and was scalping them himself. It was like the president of a French uh, soccer club. Yeah. And so eventually those tickets do make it to fans. They are just sold at a marked up price. And if people are willing to do it, who cares? Yeah, this is kind of like you made this argument in your article, which I think is really important that as long as there's this huge discrepancy between what the tickets are being sold for initially versus what the market values them at, there are going to be people trying to capitalize on that difference. Like, that's just basic fundamental way markets work. And it sounds like you kind of lay this at the feet of the clubs a little bit. Like, you guys need to be charging more right up front so that scalpers aren't the ones who profit from it. Yeah, no one wants to hear this, but tickets are too cheap. You know, if there's a secondary market for it, it means that the tickets are mispriced. And so we've seen this, especially with baseball, this idea of premium games. So if you're like a Yankees fan and they play the Red Sox, the tickets are more expensive than if the Yankees are playing the Mariners, for instance. And that's designed entirely to prevent scalping to some extent, which doesn't always work because they're still too cheap. Um, But we are seeing teams begin to increase their ticket prices, which obviously fans hate because some fans do get tickets at face value and they're like, oh, I paid 30 bucks to go to a game. That's that's good price. Uh, They're selling for $100 on StubHub. But if all the tickets were priced at, say, like $55 or whatever, there'd be less incentive for a scalper to take that risk and buy them. So, Will, there's obviously this huge uproar, it seems like, every year over ticket prices in the EPL consistently rising. Uh, What do you – I mean, how do you react to Jason's argument that, like, ticket prices should be higher? I think that's – I mean, in terms of the Premier League, I I mean, I'm not really, like, qualified to comment on, you know, baseball and stuff like that, but – in terms of the Premier League, I think that'd probably be a, a relatively perverse way of trying to get around touting because I think the key difference really is that in terms of like people owning like a season ticket, and this is not necessarily like a technological thing, but it's just in, in practice on the ground, it should in theory be the same person who sits in a seat in a stadium pretty much every week, including most cup games. So it's actually kind of a lot easier for like football clubs to police these things. They're not like one-off events. They're like pretty much... You know, like you can basically tell if you like have analytical sort of CCTV recording, which they all pretty much do, which seats are owned by touts and which ones you need to like basically put back, you know, on the market for actual, say, like club fans. So I don't know. I just I feel like putting season ticket prices up as a response to scalping would be like trading one in the Premier League, at least like trading one evil for another, because You know, I guess when you pay like a thousand pounds for a season ticket at Arsenal or anything between 
probably about £400 and £1,000 for a season ticket in the Premier League. Putting that up is like, I don't know, it's it's kind of just another squeeze on, you know, in, in a way of trying to like get rid of a, an existing squeeze. But yeah, nonetheless, I think there are sort of like ways just on a sheer like practical physical level that it's easier to police in the in, in at least the Premier League, if not also like English football, like cup competitions as well. So yeah, I mean, I think the problem's probably more for like, cup finals at Wembley and things like that because you often hear about prices there being you know like massively jacked up and also things like Europa League finals stuff where there's inevitably it's more of a one-off event but in terms of like the general day-to-day culture of football I think it's probably a lot easier to police in the Premier League. This has actually been done a bit uh, in the United States with different sports teams where they have said there's a different person sitting in this seat every single day and it's ostensibly a season ticket. So then the person who is the season ticket holder has been banned. And this has happened only a handful of times, but it's something that's been tried. I never want to advocate for like more surveillance, (laughs) but uh, honestly, like, yeah, Ticketmaster knows which seats are going to scalpers because if one credit card is buying 50 seats to 50 different games across the entire country it's probably a scalper like if someone in seattle is buying tickets in new york and then in boston and then in chicago it's probably not someone on a road trip it could be but you can track that and ticketmaster just doesn't bother yeah, it just sounds like every which way we come back to the seller in the market doesn't actually want to stop the problem, so it makes it very difficult to stop. Yeah, it does make it difficult to stop. Will raises a good point. I don't think that the answer is necessarily raising ticket prices. I think there's got to be something better than that. No one wants to prevent people who can't afford to pay scalper prices from going to a game or a concert or anything. There has to be a better way, and it, I, I don't have the answer. I think if I did, I would have a startup of some sort, which is interesting because after I uh, pu- published this, I got emailed by like 30 different startups saying, we're going to solve scalping. So We, get, we yeah. get so many PR emails at Vice Sports like regularly about like ticket selling startups that all claim they're doing something different than Ticketmaster to sell tickets, but they're all basically the same. Yeah, and even as a casual fan, I see, like, oh, the hole in this is this. Like, there's problems with all of them, and there's got to be some combination of things. You know, lotteries mixed with, like, loyalty points. I have no idea. But there's got to be there's got to be some way of making sure that the most diehard fans end up in the game. There's got to be a better way, the unofficial chips motto. <laughs> I completely agree. You obviously don't, um, not a, you know, ideally as an independent citizen, you don't want to be like advocating more surveillance. I would be interested to know, and I don't currently, how extensive that is in the Premier League, because I've heard anecdotally and kind of seen myself people being ejected from games because of what are essentially, you know, alleged touting issues. So, I mean, I don't know whether it's just because the Premier League feels that there is an incentive to stop that, or certain clubs feel that there is an incentive. But I mean, like, like a strong incentive for them that is not for ticketing companies, but for them themselves. But clearly there's quite an active policy here in some stadiums at least. Will, you live in London, so I think it's just fair to assume that you're always being surveilled. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I've, <laughs> I've pretty much given up all hope of having like reasonable sort of independent, anonymous civil liberties. Yeah, so don't worry. Don't worry about me. I'm aware that I'm surveilled every second of my life. 
Yeah, before we move on, because I think you're trying to segue to something else, I think that uh, teams that have no problem selling out without scalpers have more incentive to stop them because the bad teams have no incentive to stop scalpers because they buy tickets that otherwise no one would ever buy. Like if you go on StubHub and check ticket prices for a shitty football or baseball or soccer team, you can buy them far below face value. And those are scalpers who are taking a bath on those tickets. So they're just selling them for pennies on the dollar. And, you know, obviously the team got face value. So the ones that have an incentive to stop this are the ones that are going to sell out regardless because they are good and have loyal fan bases and there's far more demand than I mean, that's sales. interesting. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that, that seems to fit the bill for me because I guess basically most Premier League sides are, if not like backed up in terms of season tickets, then at least pretty much, you know, selling out to capacity at least for their big games. So, you know, I mean, it's not, that's not, blanket true but it is far more true of like other other aspects of like english football so yeah i mean it's an interesting one it's, it's interesting i wonder if we're going to see that almost change as Ticketmaster and other similar companies get into the secondary markets because the mb you know like you've seen sports leagues here to try and like capitalize on on those sales too they basically see as like secondary sales as this giant part of the market they're not getting so i wonder if that'll start to change as teams start to reap some of that secondary market well what started is uh, a price floor on the secondary market for a lot of nba and mlb teams because their tickets were getting sold for like three or four dollars when the face value was 50 or 60 and that looks really bad for the yankees or the bulls or what have you and so like on tickets now you're not allowed to sell tickets below a certain price which is absurd it's absurd because it's it's all for it's, the fans yeah it's all for the fans it's it's only good for the scalpers it's only good for Ticketmaster, and it's only good for the teams because they take a percentage-based fee and so it's a it's a better fee yeah so speaking of sold out games yesterday sutton united hosted arsenal in a fa cup tie it was honestly one of the more boring matches i watched all year it was just just an atrocious game but it did give us quite possibly the best sports story of the year you've probably heard this already let's be honest but just for a quick recap in case you haven't sutton united has a backup keeper slash uh like grounds crewman slash like bar patron uh his (laughs) name his name is wayne shaw he's 46 years old he is a large man and pretty much everybody who mentioned his name also felt the need to comment on how large he was which i i thought was a little weird but then again i just did it so normally you know he would be kind of like a basically a glorified mascot but something really bizarre happened, and honestly, as a, as an American watching this, I feel like I'm unqualified to describe this this uh, this controversy. So I'm gonna le- will I'm gonna let you kind of explain this because I feel like you have a better grasp of it than I. Do. Yeah. So I mean, basically, um, I suppose the background to this is that Sutton, who, in case people don't know, are a conference side that was it's called the national league now technically but um it's an it's non-league football it's the highest level of non-league football just below the football league so it's basically they're from the fifth tier of english football and they you know are usually sponsored by like i I actually don't know who their sponsor is you know it'll be someone like sutton paint strippers or like some like local their sponsor was a environmentally friendly garbage removal Uh, company called like 
called like Green Garbage yeah. Go or something like that. And incidentally, their website crashed during <laughs> the game, which was kind of fun. yeah well precisely so you know it's it's it will be like a small business or a local company or whatever but basically for this one-off games it's a massive game you know they're playing arsenal they wanted to make you know as much money as possible which is you know to some extent fair enough rather unfortunately they ended up pairing up with sun bets in other words bet you know the betting aspect of the sun newspaper who famously are not very popular in the circles of english football more generally but also just well actually no it's very popular in england but not amongst everyone. Let's just say it's not universally popular. Basically, they were sponsored by Sunbets for the game. Uh, Sunbets put out a promotion prior to the game at, at I think, about 6.30. So the kickoff was 7.55. So it was, you know, considerably just before the game, which basically, I think it gave eight to one odds that this keeper, uh, Wayne Shaw, would uh, eat uh, a, a pie, I think was what they stipulated, on the either on the bench or just within the 90 minutes i forget the exact wording but basically the 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 gist of it was that you know the big fat guy will eat a pie so you know basically it was kind of quite crass kind of marketing anyway but then lo and behold at about the 80th minute or something like that wayne shaw did indeed eat what he's now claiming was a was actually a pasty I don't know. Do you have pasties in America? I've heard of yeah, the term. <laughs> like, it's not something you'll you'll hear someone say in in a conversation, but it is, they are something we have. Yeah. So I mean, like you know, like Cornish pasties, whatever. That's that. He was alleging it's an alleged pasty at this point, but um, basically the gist of it is he. Yeah, I don't think we'd like discern between the two, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just pie and pasty like whatever i don't think you could get off on that technicality in the u.s yeah no definitely <laughs> not that would not fly in the u.s we'd be like yeah that's a pie i would say that that technicality is absolutely crucial to all <laughs> english culinary culture basically what the difference between a pasty and a pie is i mean it's like oh, i can't even think of a relative a, a, like relevant comparison it's it's vital but um i'm looking it up right now but keep keep talking the essential upshot of this is that way sure appears to have fulfilled a bet with the son who are sponsoring both him and the club it's unclear whether or not any sort of collusion has gone on or whatever that's for an investigation to find out but basically it obviously reflects quite badly on the club and also looks quite suspicious that the son put out a promotion prior to the game was then fulfilled in like absurd fashion by their rotund keeper so Consequently, I think basically an an official investigation has been launched into whether or not this contravenes betting rules in this country. Obviously, you're not meant to bet on yourself as a sportsman or indeed encourage anyone to bet on you. It's unclear whether Wayne Shaw has done that, but that will clearly come into the investigation. And I think pretty much the Gambling Commission, as a company, you're not meant to incentivize other people to bet on you directly or like encourage it directly. You You can advertise, but you have to basically advertise within the rules, which, you know, there's regulate there are regulations you have to basically say you know bet responsibly stuff like that so i don't know encouraging a guy to eat a pie hence fulfilling one of your bets is pretty shady territory as far as i'm concerned so basically both wayne shaw and the sun could now face um i guess large fines and furthermore uh he's just as breaking right now although it won't be breaking when this podcast comes out 
he has resigned from Sutton United because of the controversy that this has stirred up. Backtracking a little bit, I have a March 2016 article in the Telegraph pulled up right now. The headline is Controversy as a Pasty Triumphs at the British Pie Awards. Ooh. <laughs> and and uh, so the, be- the, the winner was a beef skirt and vegetable pasty. And this was apparently a huge controversy. I don't know, the person in charge of of the British Pie Awards said, I know many will be surprised to see a pasty winning the British Pie Awards, but the definition of a pie is a filling totally encased in pastry. Pies come in all shapes, including round pies, square pies, and pasties. A pasty is simply a subsection of a pie. The difference between the two is all in the structure, he said. Pasties tend to be defined as a singular folded pastry case with a crimpled lid and a savory filling. I, I think he Sounds like Shaw's screwed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, typically of seasoned meat and vegetables. Pies, on the other hand, traditionally have a base and sides and a separate lid. A pie is defined by the Oxford English Dictionary as a baked dish of fruit. Or meat or vegetables, typically with a top and base of pastry. Okay, anyways, this is well, it's a long way of saying that, yeah, as as Jason <laughs> says, uh, Shaw is screwed. Do- doesn't the story say more about uh, England's degenerate gambling culture than <laughs> Shaw? Well, I mean, obviously, it, it clearly says a lot about our degenerate food culture because... <laughs> Everything it, it makes it sound like everything we eat is in, is hot food encased in like puff pastry, which I mean is to some extent true. In terms of the actual gambling, obviously the gambling itself. Let's I can't really you know I'm not going to grandstand about the ethics of that. Like whatever people do it, people don't. I personally am not I'm not into it, but you know that's that's me basically. But um, in terms of like basically the actual significance in the footballing sense, I think the problem really is that. Um, Aaron and I have spoken on this podcast before about the magic of the cup, the old cliche that, you know, the FA Cup is about David and Goliath and all sorts of like fantastic kind of like, I don't know, it, it's, it kind of has an almost like parable level significance in this country. And it's kind of incredibly sad and rather sordid to see a club who otherwise would have had the full support of everybody in England, not only take terrible, awful blood money from the sun, but furthermore, then like completely overshadow their own quite impressive performance, I thought, for a non-league side by featuring a complete sideshow in terms of their goalkeeper eating a pie on the bench. Like, I don't know, the fact that it's become like a massive talking point today and nobody is going to talk about Sutton's performance in the future. They'll talk about the big Wayne Shaw pie in controversy is in itself quite like, uh, it's just, I don't know. There's something, there's something quite like sordid about it, and yeah, I think basically, as we can all, as we can always, uh, pretty much assume, the the Sun newspaper is to blame. I just want to say that like Wayne Shaw is is basically your Ken Bone. Like this is exactly <laughs> what Ken Bone was to us. Like we took a formerly like respected American tradition of the presidential debates. Like yeah, I mean presidential debates are always what they are, but like at least they were formally between two respected people. That totally went out the window this year. And then we had this schlub of a dude get up and say a few really dumb words, and the internet freaked out over it, and he was like a sensation, and then controversy ensued because it turned out that Ken Bone maybe isn't such a great person, shock, shock, and then everyone got angry at Ken Bone. And this is just like exactly the, like, 
the internet just destroys anyone who you try and like. Is yeah, basically. I know how this story ends, and it ends with Wayne Shaw doing a Reddit AMA and then being a guest ho- <laughs> uh, host of the British Pie Awards next uh, <laughs> next year. <laughs> oh man, that is exactly what's going to happen. I've heard Wayne Shaw has already been invited, and I don't know whether this will be rescinded in the aftermath of various <laughs> the like, controversy and controversy. But he's already been invited to be like the head pe- like pie taster at Morrison's, which is a, a sort of I don't know, it's kind of like a lower mid-range supermarket in uh, in Britain. So, yeah, you're already halfway there. Like, as long as, he, you know, if he gets, like, some sort of, like... If he manages to go viral in another way in the next few months, then the full thing will have been completed, and he will both be a professional pie connoisseur and, like, you know, an existential piece of content. Before we get out of here, I just want to say that, like, I am personally uncomfortable with the amount of, like, fat shaming over Wayne Shaw that has very clearly been going on in, like, both sides of the press. Like, everyone is just like, the fat man's eating a pie. And it's just, I don't know, I think it's really dumb, and I wish it wasn't that way, and I wish people could just get over that, like, the dude is 46 years old and kind of large, and that's just how a lot of non-league sides are. Like, they're backup keepers, just like this really unhealthy-looking dude. I don't know. I just had to say it. I just had to say that. I get what you're saying, but I mean, firstly, I'm not sure he's done himself any favours if he didn't want to be typecast in that role by playing up to a betting thing where he's eaten a pie deliberately playing on his own largeness. Like, you know, you're right. People would have commented on it anyway. And there would doubtlessly have been lots of like, oh, Big Wayne Shaw kind of like. People were doing that before the kickoff. Like, I mean, it was, it was totally a thing before he started eating the pie. I mean, I, I don't buy that. Like, people were only fat shaming him because he was eating a pie like that. I don't buy it all. It was going on like days before the game when he was in like when the Telegraph was writing like an entire article about him being like, ha ha, the 46 year old backup keeper who literally never plays is fat. Like, I mean, it's just, ugh, it, I don't know. It's just dumb. If you went to Wayne Shaw and asked him how bothered he is i think the fact that he ate a pie on the sidelines for money or in to do with money (laughs) probably suggests that he probably has never heard the words fat shaming and he just thinks of himself as like a great big fat lad who loves eating pies so i don't know maybe but i imagine wayne shaw i imagine you're more worried than wayne shaw is let's put it that way all right that's fair enough will but before we get out of here we need to do our second edition of manager fight because i completely forgot to do it last week with brian Sorry for all of you who wrote in and and complained that we didn't do the second edition of the manager fight. But we have it this week. Manager fight! In one corner, we have from Southampton, the 50-year-old property company owner with seven kids is Paul Doswell, the manager of Sutton. We thought it was appropriate to have him go this week against the manager of the other FA Cup darling, Lincoln City, the 38-year-old PE teacher from somewhere I couldn't actually find on- online, but I'm sure he is from somewhere, Danny Cowley, Paul Doswell against Danny Cowley. Will, what are your thoughts on who would win uh, this Royal Rumble? Okay, well, I mean, firstly, I think, I have to say, I think Paul Doswell looks a bit like Bill Murray looking directly into the sun. Like, I was thinking that last night. Um, just the whole match, I was thinking that I couldn't, I kept seeing Bill Murray on the bench and being like, is that Bill Murray? Oh no, it's Paul Doswell again. That's funny. I was thinking Harvey Keitel. So, <laughs> um, Paul, Paul Doswell, uh, I think vapes, he famously vapes on the sidelines sometimes. And he's kind of like the age of guy who I'm assuming is vaping, not because he's gone to like a vape convention he read about on Vice and just loves like that sweet, sweet strawberry hit. 
but probably because he used to smoke and has kind of given it up through vaping. So I'm just like putting this out there. This is just pure conjecture. But if he used to smoke and he's in like maybe his like 50s, whatever, I don't imagine he's the fittest. He also, I mean, without going full Wayne Shaw fat shaming on him, he doesn't look like the trimmest kind of guy. So I reckon he's kind of like, I'm not sure that he'd be that sort of, um, that equipped for like an MMA style fight. I think it would probably kind of get beyond him off the first maybe minute or first few rounds while Danny Cowley, former PE teacher, he's pretty fit. So uh, I'm going to go with Danny. And also, I listened to an interview of him. He looks quite sort of skinny and unimposing, Danny Cowley. And he's, he sounds hard, actually. He sounds hard as nails. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm going to go with Danny Cowley for fitness levels and just because, as I said, he sounds hard. Okay, so I totally thought that this would be a unanimous vo- uh, decision in favor of Danny Cowley. But before the show, Jason informed me that he was going with Paul. So I want to hear his logic behind it. No this. doubt in mind that Paul wins this. I'm just judging this based on Google image photos. Paul Doswell's haircut reminds me of like the girl in your class who's pretty hot, like her dad, who was just like <laughs> constantly pissed off, like used to get in a bunch of bar fights, like pretty solid. I don't know Paul Doswell at all, but he looks like he's seen some shit, whereas like Danny Cowley is like this upstart pretty boy who is fit and probably pretty quick. But I think uh, if Paul gets one punch in, he's not stopping. I think that's a, that's a really interesting theory. Now, I, I didn't go in that direction mostly because Doswell is like a, a property manager. He's like pretty well off. He sinks a lot of money into the club. Like it's clear that he has lots of money to spend on a non-league club, but I guess I never considered the fact that maybe his his property-owning business was perhaps ill-gotten means, <laughs> and maybe he was, like, a, some kind of, like, South London mob boss. He looks like a hooligan to me, yeah. like an ex-hooligan. I think this is, this is, you've, you've really presented some interesting evidence here. I mean, like, in terms of just analyzing the Google image search, <laughs> yeah. but, but I can, I can totally see that. I can see him just, like, kind of standing there, and you, you aren't thinking that much, and, uh, you know, the other guys like hop- bobbing and weaving in boxing style. And, uh, Doswell just doesn't really, he just like considers that this guy's just like a total joker and just gets in one punch and knocks him down. Yeah, he definitely wears a pink earring too. I see no visual evidence of that, but he <laughs> <laughs> used to. Yeah, that's true. Will, do you have any final thoughts on, on that breakdown? No, that has introduced some, some new sort of, some new thoughts I hadn't had. I mean, fair enough. You're right. I mean, it, I don't think he's like a soft lad. Don't get me wrong. I just think he's probably, I don't know. I just, he, he just doesn't look like he could like last that long. If you danced around him a bit, unless he landed a big punch in you, I think you'd probably eventually wear him out. And then just sort of a bit like bear baiting, you'd sort of take him down eventually, like, or like bullfighting. So the vaping definitely gives me pause. Yeah. I did not know that. It's not encouraging, <laughs> but I, I wonder if like, that's because he has like, he has seven kids and because he's 50 year old, like some of them are probably like kind of grown up. This now. is what I'm he's saying. He has seven of, kids, probably, probably like four of them hot like, <laughs> has to fend off. Like, you know, the, the neighborhood boys, he's probably getting lots of like familial pressure to stop smoking. And like, he's, he's yeah. probably one of those hooligans who's like a really good family man. But then he like, you yeah. know, all right, I'm going out to the pub. And then he, like i don't know gets into like four assaults that night and comes back completely unharmed because he's just that good at fighting he also has like the body like he's not he's not healthy looking but i think he has the body of a 50 year old man who's been smoking for a long time and used to be like naturally very fit and and athletic 
but then just like old age has kind of just like eroded at that but he's still got like the headiness and the mind games of that of that like young hooligan in there maybe underneath the body of a very middle-aged smoker he's actually got the muscles of a young virile danny cowley but harder so yeah i mean i've kind of come around to this idea maybe maybe paul doswell is 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 the the winner for this he just week. looks solid to me like yeah. more solid than uh than danny yeah all right i think i think we're we're going with doswell as the winner Ooh. for this one all right, I, I, <laughs> unless we have any final objections no no i'm cool with it all right uh, jason congratulations thank and, you thank you, you. Know, swinging the tide here <laughs> yeah. uh all right that just about does it for today uh again you can we'll post a link to jason's article in uh in the show notes and uh yeah jason thanks for joining yeah, us. yeah thanks shows. for having me and uh i just like to plug my own podcast real quick we uh we do this every week Whoa. it's called radio Whoa. motherboard this is heinous radio motherboard uh, it is on the Vice Network of Podcasts. We don't talk about fighting. We talk only about robots. What about fighting robots? Haven't got to yet. <laughs> we talk only about technology and, uh, yeah, would a robot or Danny Cowley win in a fight? Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, seriously, Radio Motherboard's good. Uh, I enjoy listening to it. Please do subscribe to that podcast and continue subscribing to this podcast. Thank you for listening. Will, do you have any final words for the people? I write content as well, but just, you know, so Google my name and read everything that I've done. I Googled your name, but I didn't get articles. I got some other stuff. I'm not sure you want to tell people to Google your name. Okay, go on my topic page on Vice. Don't Google my name, whatever you do. Yeah, it's pretty gross out there. Ugh. <laughs> There's this guy who, who writes for the mirror with your name, and it's just terrible. Just all terrible stuff. Yeah, he writes for the mirror. He writes viral articles about Paul, Paul Doswell fighting Danny Cowley. That sort of tabloid level journalism. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Will, you enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, everyone listening, thank you. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Yeah,